Hello and welcome to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals, your daily podcast covering all things Cardinals baseball from here at Bush Stadium on the uh, the third level here at the back of the Redbird Club. My name is Jeff Jones, joined by Brendan Schaefer. Brendan, it's been gray outside for like four days running now. Yeah, but as long as the rain doesn't kind of overtake and the, the clouds don't produce any precipitation, I can live with the gray because it still feels pretty good outside. And, uh, you know, I, I know there was some rain yesterday and over the weekend, but uh, as long as it is the rain stay away, I, I don't really mind the clouds. Yeah, I, I think we are, uh, we should be at least in good shape to get this game all the way in this evening without any kind of, any, any kind of weather uh, getting in the way of that. I don't know. They, they, they have most of the tarp up. That seems like a good sign uh, as they get prepared for this evening's game between the Cardinals and the Kansas City Royals. Before we get into that, uh, probably should spend some time on the weekend series against the Phillies, the Cardinals splitting a four-game set. Uh, but to me, uh, especially after the injuries they dealt with on Thursday night and into Friday, it seems almost like a split in that series felt like a series win. Yeah, and I think, too, just kind of the way it, it occurred and the way it ended, as you mentioned, after some adversity early in the weekend. Like, just the fact that yesterday you have these contributions from a couple of 22-year-olds and a 21-year-old doing some some pretty remarkable things that can, can kind of get you excited about not only the present and where the Cardinals are at, but just, like, the future going forward with what Flaherty did yesterday and Hicks throwing 105 in the the one-armed home run by Tyler O'Neill. Like, there was a lot going on yesterday for Cardinal fans to be excited about, and and I feel like that was as much as you could have hoped for after the way things started off on, you know, Thursday and then with the injuries that we've discussed in the past few days. Yeah, you mentioned Tyler O'Neill, obviously, now with a home run in back-to-back games here on this uh, the second recall. Had a three-hit day yesterday, all of a sudden now betting 333 on the season, obviously, in very limited time, but I, I think that, you know, part of what you saw on his first recall to the Cardinals was, number one, uh, he was used primarily in a pinch-hitting role, and that's that's not always an easy role for guys to fall into. It can take some time to figure out how to make sure that you're, uh, you're prepared for those plate appearances when they pop up if you're primarily coming off of the bench. And number two, uh, O'Neal now was called up in clearly his hottest streak of the season, and, and, and so... It's been, I think, gratifying for the Cardinals to see him be able to carry that over uh, into the big leagues. And the two home runs he hit over the weekend, one was a ball that he said he didn't get out of, and he joked that that's, that's why he lifts so much. Uh, the ball had a lot of topspin on it. It still got out pretty deep into the stands in left field. And then yesterday, as you mentioned, yeah, it was a one-hand kind of golf shot off of a, a diving changeup from Aaron Nola that comfortably got into to left center as well. So it's clear that... Look, Tyler O'Neill is locked in, and he's got some serious big league power. Yeah, and, and I feel like, and I'm glad they're putting him in the lineup again today. Not surprising they put Ozuna back in the cleanup spot, though if you look at the production that he's offered this season, he's been no cleanup hitter, as O'Neill was able to hit the first home run from the cleanup spot for the Cardinals at home this season. I, I, just, feel like, I just feel like you've got to find a way to get Tyler O'Neill in the lineup uh, until he's until he stops producing, and today that's at the expense of Dexter Fowler. I, I think you kind of cycle him between Ozuna and Fowler, unless one of those guys starts to perk up, um, because you're not going to sit a healthy Tommy Pham until he needs a rest. But you know, and it, and it sucks for a guy like Harrison Bader, who's done a fine job. But yeah, I think the power potential that Ozuna possess, or pardon me, that O'Neill possesses, could be as great as anybody in this lineup. And since the other guys haven't really been showing it as much, 
you might as well run him out there until he stops. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Bader, uh, Mike Matheny yesterday, saying in the post game that when he was assembling his lineup for the game on Sunday, he was stuck between Bader and O'Neill for playing left field. He knew that he wanted to give Ozuna a day off, uh, and he said that he went to his hitting coaches to to ask them of the two which they thought would be more befitting of that spot. And apparently both John Mabry and Bill Miller spoke up for Tyler O'Neill, said he would be able to handle the breaking stuff from Aaron Nola better than Harrison Bader would. Uh, here's my question for you. Do you take that assessment and that, and that credit giving from Mike Matheny at face value, or do you think there's a degree of him looking for ways to maybe give his hitting coaches some credit? Uh, because John Mabry especially has been a lightning rod for criticism for sure. I think here, uh, not only over the early going of this season, but over the last couple of seasons. No, I don't take Matheny as a guy to like just blatantly make up a story or, or fabricate. Like, not, I, I don't, know, I I don't mean to suggest. Good. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean to suggest fabricating. I just part of what he talked about yesterday was that he didn't have an obvious cleanup hitter. I don't think that Harrison Bader was probably ever really in consideration to hit cleanup. And so, if you needed a cleanup hitter and you had O'Neill hitting a home run on Saturday, I have no doubt that there was a conversation between Matheny and the hitting coaches. I just, I'm curious, uh, I, I would be curious to know, I guess, whether that was really the determining factor in making up the lineup. Right, because at the end of the day, the manager does get to get to make that decision. But I guess, you know, it, it certainly sounds good when you can say, I leaned on my hitting coaches and my hitting staff to, uh, to make this decision when it works out. So I, I can see where you're coming from, from that perspective. Uh, you know, regardless of, of whether that was actually the, the determination that was made or not. When it comes to the hitting coaches, though, I don't know where you stand on the level of influence, but I'm I'm typically a guy that says the, the, it's the players' jobs to to get out of, of slumps and, and to figure things out with the help of the hitting coach. But at the end of the day, those are the guys that have to make it happen, and, and everybody's kind of got their own individual hitting approaches, and so like did Matt Carpenter's approach change in the last couple of weeks? It might have. He's he's probably been more aggressive hasn't uh, struck out or walked nearly as often and, and so he's swinging at more pitches perhaps but I think at the end of the day I, I really am not a fan of, of Barry and the hitting coach even though I understand frustrated fans are going to have to have something to look at but typically I'm, I'm fine with just saying yeah the player needs to, to get himself out of it yeah look I, I agree with you in that I wouldn't really have a way to know the way, the way or, right. or how much the hitting coach affects the guys day in and day out. Like, regardless of being in, in the clubhouse every day, there's really no way to know how much an individual hitting coach is, is getting through to players. Like, it appears that they all go to the cage. I can tell you that they all receive scouting reports. I mean, right, like the things that we're able to perceive, I think, are sort of not definitive enough to know whether or not uh, a hitting coach is being effective. I think that when you hear the criticism of the hitting coach, it's because there's an awareness, perhaps, that if the whole team is not hitting, uh, you're not able to fire 12 or 13 hitters at once, so the hitting coach sort of becomes this lightning rod and becomes this receptor of criticism uh, who becomes, you know, a symbol for those offensive struggles. Do I think that, you know, at any point in the season when the offense was sputtering, that letting go of John Mabry solves the offense? Of course not. Uh, But I, I do wonder if there's something to, I guess, the idea that, a fresh set of eyes could be beneficial. Sure. And Hey, right now it's good to see that guys like Carpenter are turning things around. Uh, perhaps Ozuna can see that around the corner. I think he's the one that he, I say, I worry about the most, even though his stats are certainly not as, as bad as Carpenter's were or Dexter Fowler's still are. I, I just, I just feel like the expectation that was 
placed on his shoulders when you go out and make that trade for Ozuna was people understood that he probably wasn't going to be that guy that he was last year with the Marlins with the 37 homers and the 120 RBIs or whatever it was. But I feel like if he's kind of the average player offensively that he was prior to last season, that's really going to end up being a disappointment. And clearly in the minds of the team, you can look at the way the lineup is constructed today. They're still viewing him as that guy because he's batting cleanup and that's where he's been all season. And I just wonder if, you know, if kind of the question marks that people had before the Cardinals went out and made that trade are kind of being proven correct that maybe it was a one-hit wonder for Ozuna. You know, it's funny, you mentioned Ozuna not hitting as poorly as a guy like Matt Carpenter has this season. OPS in May, so over the first 20 days of this month, for Matt Carpenter, 831. For Marcelo Zuna, the OPS here over the first 20 days of May, 571. And so, right. over, the, right, so my, over this last month. has been red hot for about a week or more Exactly, now, so yeah. The, the and numbers are going to... Right, and that's, and, that's, and that's the concern, I think, if you're the Cardinals, is that you know, while Matt Carpenter appears to be trending in the right direction, uh, Marcelo Ozuna is, in fact, trending in the wrong direction. In fact, Ozuna's OPS in May, in May is eight points lower even than Carpenter's was in, in March and April. And, and so I agree with you that on the whole, you're seeing a, a better body of work from Ozuna so far this season. But over over the last, you know, especially two weeks, it hasn't been the case. And it, it, it's clear, I think, at this point that, there needs to be uh, there there needs to be some sort of substantial adjustment. Matheny talked about giving Ozuna the ability to just take a take a mental day on Sunday and said that it's hard to get him to to step back in that way because he's a guy and he talked about him being perpetually optimistic in the same way that that Adam Wainwright is, for example, uh, a guy who acknowledges maybe he's been struggling, but said that even in taking a day off, he expected to have an impact late in that game yesterday. Now, it wasn't necessary, as it turned out, but I do think it's notable uh, that it's it's hard to get him to sort of check out, turn off for a day. Yeah, and I think in, in his case, you just look at look at where people were hoping that, that he would be, and, and you see what, what it's become, and it's just so hard because you, you see the flashes and, and know that, that he's got that in him, and I mean, it's otherworldly what he was able to do last year, and it's tough for him, I'm sure, personally, just the way we've heard Dexter Fowler describe the difficulties of, of you know, not, not going the way that you're, you're wanting to so far. And, and, and we'll see, hopefully, tonight the manifestation of what kind of a mental day did for him. Uh, you know, we haven't seen him since that, and so it's kind of hard to make any, you know, rash judgments about what to do. But I would say that maybe tempering expectations on him as the, the cleanup hitter right now might be a way to go if he continues to struggle where you get some other guys in there. Because I feel like when, when the Cardinals find a lineup that clicks, they stick with it, and then it kind of draws itself out to where you, you, you're afraid to then move it again once you get something that works for a little bit, even if you know time goes on, and maybe that's no longer been the case. Jose Martinez has been a guy that's hit third pretty much all year and ever, ever since he started, and I, I feel like I'm not, I'm not a, a fan of necessarily moving the lineup every day, but I feel like in the case of Ozuna, that could be an example where maybe you do start to move that around just like they did with Matt Carpenter, got him down to seventh uh, earlier in the week. And, and, you know, again, whether it's not, whether it's the lineup that causes the, the turnaround or not, it doesn't really matter, but it is kind of interesting just to kind of give guys different looks at where they hit, who they hit behind and things like that. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the shuffling of, of who was batting cleanup, obviously with Tyler O'Neill on the hot streak, he batted cleanup yesterday, as we mentioned, he's batting fifth today, 
behind Ozuna. I think that's that's pretty clear uh, deference to the veteran, deference to the guy who has the track record, and that to me is is Mike Matheny sort of uh, you know giving Ozuna credit that he's going to be able to sort it out after a day off. I do wonder uh, if if the track doesn't reverse here, say today and maybe tomorrow if you would see that change. I, I, I thought it was it was going to be, to me, the most interesting thing to see when we got to the ballpark today, because I didn't think there was much doubt that O'Neill would be in the lineup, but I do th- I, I did think, rather, that the uh, the lineup construction itself would be curious. And so Ozuna, be- Ozuna comes immediately right back into, quote-unquote, his spot. Uh, and so, yeah, I, is that really the best thing for the Cardinals right now? I, I guess we'll see. My, yeah, there's certainly hope. You know that, that that Marcelo Zuna is going to be able to turn it around, or that he will turn it around here eminently. But I think you have to see some production pretty quick, or you have to really start reconsidering how that lineup is put together. Here's what I'm going to go out on the limb and say, though: I bet Ozuna has a, a solid night tonight. I think he gets at least one hit, uh, maybe an extra base hit. I think he does benefit from the the kind of mental day off yesterday. And so, like I did earlier in the the podcast when I predicted the score pretty darn correctly that one time. I'm going to go ahead and say Ozuna has a good night tonight. We'll take it. That would be a, that would be a plus. You mentioned Matt Carpenter uh, rounding into form. We talked about his numbers in May. He, my, my sort of favorite, I guess, eye-popping stat uh, that, I, that I looked at over the weekend, in his last five games, Matt Carpenter has six doubles. He had six doubles in the first 35 games of the season before that. And, and Carpenter is a guy who that doubles count, I think, really shows – where he's at, uh, and, and and demonstrates whether or not his swing is locked in. And I think that not only not only the doubles jumping out at you, but there was also a play yesterday. And I don't know if you if you noticed this or if you remember it, but there was a, a, a single to right Matt Carpenter had in the middle innings yesterday, where he basically hit the ball straight through the shift. And a ball that I thought you know ten days two weeks ago probably would have been a weak one hopper to a deep playing second baseman. Yesterday was scorched and got past that fielder and into right field. That, to me, was a really encouraging sign that he is finding that swing again. Yeah, I wrote two stories yesterday for KMOV, one on Jack Flaherty, one on Jordan Hicks. And, like, I remember thinking as this game was going along, like, Matt Carpenter ought to be a story, too. Just because of watching each of his at-bats yesterday, I was pretty impressed with what he was able to do. He had the, the scorched double to right field and then the hit you're talking about. And then he had that one that was a dribbler to second base where he almost beat it out for another hit, and I thought that would have been interesting on the the base running track. But then he did have a play later that he turned a single into a double with base running, and because he was there on second, was able to score on a a single. And so I thought the day he had yesterday should have been a bigger story than it was, but when your your closer, your ninth-inning pitcher throws 105, uh, that kind of takes a little bit of attention off the stuff that happened earlier in the game. But, yeah, I thought Matt Carpenter had a great day yesterday. And and even when, you know, all those hits go to the right side, so it's not like he's change, changing his approach and going going to left field every time. But I feel like he's shown a little bit more of a willingness to do that when the situation dictates. And then when he is hitting the ball to the right side, as he did yesterday, he's hitting it hard almost every time. And that's exactly what you're hoping to see. So you mentioned the uh, exciting outing that we got out of Jordan Hicks yesterday here at the ballpark. Uh, I think you're right that it did overshadow a lot of things that happened earlier in the ballgame. It, in part, even seemed to overshadow the performance Jack Flaherty put up yesterday. Seven and two-thirds, 13 strikeouts, 120 pitches out of Jack Flaherty yesterday. Uh, let's pause at that very briefly. 
Does that number pop out to you? Does it matter at all that, that they let Jack Flaherty throw that many pitches in that game yesterday? Because, I mean, you can, you can certainly count me among those people who just assumed that Flaherty was done after the seventh. His spot was up first in the bottom of the seventh. He had already thrown 107 pitches at that point. I, I, was, I was really surprised that he hit for himself and that he came back out. But, you know, I, I guess we'll see Jack here in about half an hour or so down in the clubhouse. But it certainly didn't seem like there was any uh, ill effects from the big outing yesterday. No, he, he – and I, I, I was right there with you. I sent my tweet of, you know, seven strong innings for Flaherty, one hit baseball, assuming he'd be done. And then when he when he went up to bat for himself, even part of me was like, is this a, like a real thing? Maybe he's just get, letting the fans give an ovation. Like, I, I had no idea. But then the fact that he went back out there, I – yeah, I definitely did not agree with it at the time. But in retrospect, I think hearing Matheny talk about it yesterday after the game, Talking about you know that 120 was the number they didn't want him to exceed as the game went along, but they you know they look at more than just the number of total pitches, and I think that was an example of a game where he didn't have very many high stress yeah. situations, high stress innings, and so in retrospect, I I you know obviously it worked out. I think it's a situation where if he starts to to tire and and really get blown up, you could be risking that game by having him be in there in the eighth. But because it worked out and because he still was throwing nasty pitches, I mean, even the last pitch he threw of the day to get the 13th strikeout was a great pitch. And so, I, you know, I don't have an issue with it in retrospect. I'm sure we would all would have been, you know, grilling the manager had it gone poorly. And I think that's a good example of how, you know, how difficult that job can be sometimes where people are, are quick to criticize. But in this case, you know, it, it happened to work out. And, and I, I think that the math and the, the performance evaluation behind Matheny leaving him out there for the eighth was sound in retrospect. That's not something I would have said, though, in the moment as it was happening. And I'm, I'm yep. readily willing to admit that. Well, and the other thing, too, that was interesting, uh, if not encouraging, was the explanation post game of, of just how short the bullpen was yesterday because Bud Norris was definitely down after his long outing on Saturday. Greg Holland, after a long and bad outing on Saturday, was apparently also off limits. And he said that they were trying to stay away from Tui Valala and Cecil as well, if at all possible, which meant that you were looking uh, at Hicks, who you did see, and then Myers and Brebia, and that was about all they had out of that bullpen yesterday. I, I, I was a little surprised to hear him be so strongly opposed to using Tui Valala on back-to-back days. He had one inning uh, and one very low-stress inning on Saturday. And then Cecil, I believe, only pitched to one or maybe two batters on Saturday. And so I, I, I was I was fairly surprised that they were as short as Matheny said they were. But that's that's what goes into those, those considerations sometimes that's hard for fans to know. And I think even going into tonight's game, uh, I, I still think that the Cardinals will probably would want to avoid – Bud Norris and Greg Holland, if at all possible, for this evening's game. Yeah, and they've got the right guy on the hill to be able to make that happen. I know Michaelis didn't go very deep his last time out, but before that, he had so many consecutive starts of seven or more innings. And I'm interested to see. You know, the Royals are not a great team. That you know, they they have. I think Kennedy's on the mound for them yes. tonight. It's it's not. He's gotten blown up his last two starts. So like this sets up for a, a real tone setter kind of game to start the series with the, the Cardinals having a guy, that their horse on the mound, the guy that's uh, really been able to, to, to give you good innings for the most part this season, and, uh, you know, the not a particularly opposing pitcher that you're imposing opposing pitcher. Uh, and so hopefully they're able to do that and save the bullpen to an extent tonight. 
But, uh, you know, we'll have to have to wait and see how they attack. I think I'm confident enough in what Michaelis will do, but I think the Cardinals need to not let Kennedy get back into a groove because he was pitching pretty decently, pretty well, prior to his last couple starts, and I think he's given up, like, a combined 14 runs in those last two. There's no reason that that should change, though, tonight. Speaking of getting blown up, here's the last thing I want to talk about on today's podcast. Uh, there is one other Cardinals alum who currently plays for the Royals besides John Jay. And I, I mentioned getting blown up, so I'll acknowledge that it is a pitcher. Can you name the other active Kansas City Royal who used to pitch for the St. Louis Cardinals? Oh, okay, because they got rid of Seth Manus, right? They did. So it's not him. I don't think anybody has signed John Broxton, so that would be no. Nope, that would be what I think there. of when you say getting blown up. Is it? We're talking a reliever, I a imagine? relief pitcher, a right-handed relief pitcher. Oh if you can gosh. get, if you can get this, I'll be very. I'll even tell you this. No, it's a wait, pi- wait. I'm going to get it. Hold on a second. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Miguel Sokolovich. That's my guess. It is not Miguel Sokolovich. Oh, okay. It Dang is. It. I thought he went to it. I thought he went to them. Maybe he did for a minute. He might no. have them in their minor league system. If it's not that, I don't think I'm going to get it. It is Blaine Boyer. Oh, okay. Blaine Boyer yeah. in the majors pitching for the Royals uh, has made 16 appearances this season. In 16 and two thirds innings, has allowed 25 hits and 27 runs. That's good for a 12.42 ERA. All right, so hopefully he finds his way to the mound tonight because uh, that that would seem to be an encouraging thing if that's if that were the case. And uh, for the record, it looks like Miguel Sokolovich is uh, an Atlanta Brave or was at some point in this season, but he he had a nine ERA in three innings for them. So well, we'll he wish, might be gone. Too. We'll we'll wish for the best for Miguel Sokolovich. We'll wish yeah. for the best uh, <laughs> for Jonathan Broxton, and we'll even wish for the best for Blaine Boyer as soon as the Royals leave town. Certainly. Um, Brendan, any, anything else, any parting things to watch for as the Cardinals get ready to take three games against the Royals here at Bush? I'm excited to watch Michaelis pitch again because I didn't really get to, to sit down and watch his entire last start where he struggled. and so uh, Well, not necessarily struggled, but he didn't get through five, I don't believe. And so I'm, I'm hoping that we see, see the guy that goes seven innings and gets a quality plus start tonight. But um, that's that's kind of my main thing to look out for tonight. Besides Tyler O'Neill, can he hit a home run for a third consecutive game? If he does, then you have a full-fledged like outfield controversy on your hands because he's got to play. Harrison Bader shouldn't get totally buried, and you have to face the reality that the other two guys in the corners have not been quite up to uh, expectations and and what will be the fallout of that. I'm gonna I'm gonna have my eyes open for a multi-hit game from. Uh, the new power source at the bottom of the order, Frankie Boom Boom, Francisco Pena, bringing the stick to this evening's game. All right, I like it. All right, Brendan, thank you so much for hopping on with us this afternoon. That's Brendan Schaefer. I'm Jeff Jones. Find Brendan on Twitter, at bschafer12. Find his stuff at kmov.com. Fantastic work they're covering the Cardinals. Mine will be at LockedOnSTLCardinals.com along with this podcast. Make sure you stick around. Please do subscribe, rate us, review us. We appreciate everybody who has been uh, listening here over the last few weeks. And this has been today's episode of Locked On St. Louis Cardinals.